Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another great episode here on the Leadership is Changing podcast. I have a wonderful guest that I have uh, interviewed, and his name is Mark Havener, and he's a marketing and communication strategist, and he's got a, he specializes on focusing on brand and executive thought leadership, strategic content development, and cor- uh, corporate communication strategies. Now, he's got over 20 years of experience and uh, in this kind of industry, and, and you know, he aligns and helps businesses with their goals and their communications and aligning that up beautifully for them. Now, he started his, uh, his consultancy in 2021, and he's been focusing on industry communications and marketing. Now, when I was interviewing Mark, what was quite interesting was that there were some areas that he brought up, and I want you to sort of look out or listen for them as you're listening to the episode. He talked about the unending uncertainty. That's a pretty interesting concept. And then he talked about trust. Now, trust is a big thing that we've been talking about in a lot of the episodes, but it was really interesting how it actually happened or how it played out through the global pandemic. But what he talks about is that trust is the biggest factor in a resilient organization. Hmm. Now, the other thing too is that for the bigger good, he feels that corporates should be working together more. And so uh, he's come up with some really great insights in this interview. So listeners, sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, Mark, welcome to today's episode of Leadership is Changing podcast. Wonderful to have you with us and uh, welcome to today's show. Excellent. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, awesome. Now, Mark, I've uh, already given our listeners a little bit of a uh, sort of a high level introduction to you. Now, whereabouts are you in the world today? I am hailing from Los Angeles and uh, it's a beautiful day as always. Mm. Can't complain. Sometimes I still do. <laughs> very, very good. And uh, are you originally from the U.S.? Have you been always your life in the U.S.? Yeah, I, I grew up in Colorado and moved out to L.A. about, well, it's hard to say, but I think about 20 years ago. Uh, so uh, those have been my primary primary locations and backgrounds. Yep. Okay. And I understand from your career-wise, you've built uh, your career as an executive around both sides of the coast of the U.S. by the sounds of it, an integrated marketing and communications agencies and so forth and, and building that. What has it been like? Is, is com- communication and marketing different on each side of the coast of the United States? Yeah, it can be. It, it all depends on what you're after. I was an executive for uh, an integrated marketing PR firm for a number of years, mm-hmm. almost 15 and we had offices on the West Coast and the East Coast. I think the biggest difference was East Coast was primarily finance-driven, whereas West Coast is primarily consumer-driven. But there was always this B2Me mix that kind of trans- transcended any sort of geography. Yep. Okay. Yeah, cool. So that's awesome. And uh, tell me something else. I think the do you, do you follow any sports in the U.S. or around the world? Uh, I'm, I'm one of the few that doesn't. And in LA, <laughs> I have, uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, in, in, in media and I guess you would call it the, the nerd culture. I'm big into comics and, uh, and movies and things like that. Games. Awesome. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, and to tell us a little bit more about your background, is there anything else you want to share that we haven't already shared so far with the listeners? Yeah, it was. Uh, I have, I think, an interesting background. I was uh, basically outside of the comms world when I started with the agency, and then I kind of grew up into an executive position, and then since then started my own practice. And so I think I have an interesting point of view because uh, one of the reasons that um, I, I ended up making that change into my own practice is because I'm seeing a lot of antiquated points of view and mindsets in the agency environment, but also in the corporate environment. And so it was very difficult to actually reach good business goals because we are all using old tech, basically. And so I wanted to start my own way so I could so I could be more f- frank and integrated with the uh, clients that I work with, mm. have a better impact both on their business goals, but on the world, on the community. And so it was a, it was an interesting journey and just kind of being disillusioned with, with the whole industry and having to move into another world basically to, to navigate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those mindsets, interesting and and having to navigate it. (laughs) Wow. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we get into this, because, you know, as we said, you know, leadership is changing this. We're going to talk about how did you get into leadership? I was, I grew into leadership through the agency environment, uh, leading bi-coastal teams and actually doing a lot of administrative operational kinds of stuff while, while also doing business development. I had to wear a lot of hats. We were always joking about constantly being a startup mode for the last 15 years. Uh, but uh, that was that was kind of my role. But as I pivoted into my own practice, I actually started working with leaders, in particular, tackling communications and marketing problems from the point of view of leadership and industry leadership. And so I actually work with executives, communications teams, and clients in general, just on, on, on positioning themselves as leaders in the marketplace as an approach. And that's, that's sort of where I landed and where I am now. Yeah, very good. I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you there around this, uh, what you just shared. One was, is really around, what was the transition like for you from working with Fortune 500 companies, corporate world, to transition into your own or business now, what was that transition like for you? I, I, it was startling, uh, just to put a word on it. Mm. But what was what was startling about it was that the realization that the corporate structure is just built with a framework of bottlenecks. Everybody's getting in the way of everybody else, even though they have a shared goal and intention. And when I got out of that structure, I, I was startled about how quickly and efficiently and, and, and functionally efficient everything worked and therefore how much more effective everything was. Everything from meetings to, you know, just w- what I'm doing on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, all of that works so much better without that corporate structure. It's amazing how, and I really love what you just shared there about the fact that in the corporate world, a framework of bottlenecks. It is so true, right? I mean, there's so many bottlenecks. And I, I sit there as well, Mark, and I go, what the heck are they doing here? And how much money is being wasted and spent here? And, you know, what are we doing? And where's the results? Where's the outcomes? Oh, but it was a great meeting. And I'm like, really? Yeah, so I think, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are there and about what, what organizations should be doing to get rid of those bottlenecks. What do you think? Uh, well, I think the biggest challenge is that the goals are typically not aligned. And so, like, you know, why are we having this meeting? Has that been defined? Just talking practically, but but organizationally, what what are we doing here? What is the point of this business? And what is my role? If you don't, if you don't know the point of the organization, then how are you supposed to know your role? And how are you supposed to know what your goals and objectives are? And so I, I think that the way businesses can kind of dismantle some of those bottlenecks is simply by aligning around what we're after. And, and what we're trying to do as an organization. And, and, and that has to be something bigger than profit. 
it has to be something that that actually is trying to impact the world that the business is in in a positive way and and otherwise you know there's there's no point in doing it hmm. Hmm. i mean profit's profit that's all very nice but then if it doesn't have meaning behind it the value and as you said the impact then what's the point in doing it and i and i agree with you i think the aligning pace is really important i mean i asked execs that i coach as well you know, how many meetings are you going to? Well, I'm going to all these meetings and so forth. And I go, okay, but do you actually understand the purpose of the meeting? No. And I'm like, well, you've got to ask that question. What's the purpose? Otherwise, why go? I think it's... Uh, I, I had a talk with a client just this before we started talking about this. So we have a standing meeting and I'm saying, okay, the purpose of this meeting is to uh, look at what was done and then what we're going to do and whether or not what we are going to do happened why it failed. And, I, and I, that's an email. I mean, we, we don't need to get a CEO to spend 20 minutes talking about what was done and what wasn't. I mean, we, we need to get a CEO to get their insight strategically on what we should be doing, you know, or, or to, to get their buy-in or whatever. But but too many meetings, too many meetings just in general. Yeah, absolutely. So that was one thing. And the second thing, that based on what you said earlier, was about you helping uh, leaders and that around. It's more just like their brand, if I want to put it, I, I'm, I'm going to say it that way. You tell me if that's right or wrong. But I think the thing here is that you're helping people understand their place in the market is what you think you're saying and so forth. So how important is it for them to understand why, where they stand in the market, what they offer in the market, and about their own branding? How important is this? I think it's critical. However, to add a caveat is that we, we tend to focus on the wrong the wrong thing when it comes to my place in the market. I would argue most organizations focus on what they deliver to the market and why that's interesting or important features and benefits. What is the thing? How does that benefit the audience? And and I, I, I think everybody does that. I mean, that's table stakes, I suppose. You have to do that to some extent, but nobody's talking about why. Why are we doing this to begin with? And why? And, and, and really what ends up happening when you start asking those questions is what you're looking externally now. You're not looking in, inside the organization and saying, well, our widget does this thing. Our widget can um, open wine better than any other wine opener that's ever been invented. But then you have to ask, well, why is that important? To the people we're talking to, well, that's important because now you can get your evening back and can have that date with your partner, and that's that's a value statement. And that's, I, I think, if we use the, the the value that you bring to the world as your communications platform, then suddenly you are automatically positioned in the marketplace. You automatically have differentiation because your competitors are probably not thinking like that. I mean, that's how Nike thinks. That's how Don Soap thinks. That's how. You know, Mars Candy thinks, but that's not how businesses in the mid-market um, or even in, in the Fortune 500 mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. And do you think that from an entrepreneur's perspective, those who may be leaving the corporate world and crossing over into the entrepreneur world or those who are just in the entrepreneur world who haven't been in that large corporate, do you think they understand the why? I, I, I think they are. they tend to be very focused on what they're delivering. I am an executive coach. I am a, you, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're going to on Shopify to sell your cookies, right? Whatever it is. I have the best baked cookies in all of the world or whatever your statement is. It, it, you, no, I don't think they're thinking about why. Why, why should I go to this storefront than, uh, than that? Why should I go with you as an executive coach versus somebody else? Because then you start getting into pricing battles. And when you, software as a service is really good about this. And they're, they're just fighting each other, these big land, you know, continental battles over who has the more features, who has better features, who has better, 
and you see this with Apple and Samsung or in a, and, and the one who always wins is the one that rises above that fray and say, well, th- these are cookies that come from uh, generations of Scottish mothers who know how to make their kids happy. And, oh, well, now let's, now we're talking, right? Now you're, now you're positioning yourself naturally because you're, you're, you're keying into an emotional context for what your product is and you're and you're talking more about the, the the people that are going to consume the cookie rather than yourself i don't know about you listeners but i'm now starting to get a little bit hungry that mark's talking about cookies <laughs> so it is lunchtime yeah there you go so lunchtime in your part of the world breakfast time in my part of the world but it's really amazing um you're so right i mean about the the why and and and, and making sure that we're really strong in that area and understand it too because i know i think entrepreneurs are struggling to make sure they get the cash flow. Can I get a sale? Can I do this kind of thing rather than the bigger picture, the why? And I know that for you and I, it's easy to talk about. It's not always easy to do. Um, And I think that's why sometimes we need to have the right people around us to help us work through that, to get that understanding and and move it through. Um, Interesting. It takes practice. One thing I like to do, I actually do this on TikTok, was where I'll pull up, there's a site where you can pull up random products on Amazon. And I'll pull up a random product and then try to find the value proposition for that product. And it'll be, you know, something ridiculous, like a glow in the dark stick. And I don't even know what the purpose is, but you know, this isn't, this isn't a toy. This is, this is a memory that you're going to build as a child, Mm, mm, mm. you know, and that just kind of elevating even the most mundane, not in a superficial way. It really has to be authentic to what it is, but, but just elevate the mundane and, and just by answering why is that important to the to the people you're selling. Yeah, to. and it's really interesting that you're talking about glow in the sticks, hey, where we can think about for the kids and all that sort of things. But then, you know, in a, in LA where you are, uh, but also in New Zealand where I am, uh, we have a lot of earthquakes. And so in our emergency kits, we have those glow sticks. Why? Because in an emergency, we can do it and it's going to help us. Um, and so, yeah, so there's different, different uses for it, right? So I think it's also understanding your market, your audience, and who, what, what they want and what they're needing. Uh, and how we can help them, yeah. Now, Mark, um, I'm going to ask you this question in the sense that it could be someone from history or someone who's alive today. But, Mark, who's your favorite leader and why? It's a really good question, and I'm glad you gave it to me ahead of time because I put a lot of thought into it. And I'm going to preface this by saying I know how this sounds, but bear with me. Uh, George Washington, and, and not because he's the quintessential leader and not because I'm American and not because of patriotism or anything else. There are a lot of problems with George Washington. He was a slave owner. His policies were messed. He was a terrible general. The realistic nature of him as a man is questionable. But uh, what what I admire about his leadership is that George Washington absolutely understood his role and the scope of what he was doing. And and I think the defining moment of him as a leader is when he uh, allowed an election to take place and he stepped down as president. Because that was a signal to the country, to the world, that this experiment at the time was it was for real. And and he was not going to fit that mold that the whole the whole revolution was about. And I think for somebody to have the wherewithal to not seize power and and hold on to it because they understood their role in this whole world, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about the world, about the country's role in the world, and everything else about about the transition of power for generations to come. And that quality is, I think, something that every leader should have. We are not ordering people around in the industry or in your organization, we, we have to understand our role. And, and that, that's why I would choose him. Yeah. And I, well, that, I love it. I think that's a great example. And having the ability, the courage, the boldness to make a decision like that, to step aside, to do that, to call whatever you needed to do, to think about the bigger picture. 
In other words, it goes back to that why that we are talking about before, right? It's actually understanding the bigger picture and what's going on, but being able to do that. I don't know about you, mate, but what I saw was during COVID times, I saw leaders who did step up and those who didn't step up. And those who did step up actually probably didn't even have the title of a manager as some of them, but they did step up really well. But then I saw other leaders thinking that they, you know, some of them had to step aside, but they didn't. And so sometimes things are forced on us to to actually get things happening as well. But good example, George Washington, very good. Now, if you were to, obviously you haven't met George Washington, (laughs) but if you were to sit down on a park bench with him, having a coffee, what would be one question you would like to ask him? Uh, I, I, I would ask, how did you know that this was bigger than you? Nice question. What's the trigger? What's the mindset there? Because we are so wrapped up in our worlds. Uh, we're humans. We have no choice. It, it, at some point, there has to be some way for you to know that you're doing something bigger than you and to know your place in that matrix. And I would ask him that. I, 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 I think I might guess what his answer would be, but that would be an interesting thing to hear from him. The interesting thing to hear from him. Well, what do you reckon it would be his answer? I think it would be um, everything's bigger than you, mm. and and in a way it is. Yeah. So leaders, listeners, what I think you should do here is actually just really take on board what Mark's just said here because I think where, your life, where you are in life today, where you are in your position in, in business today or the community, wherever you are in a leadership role today, things are bigger than you and uh, just understand where you are in that role but what you need to do mark is another way i talk about it, is about custodian leadership i think that for a lot of people they think they own that leadership role no they're only in that role for a certain period of time and because it's bigger than them and so then what sh- what can they do in that role today to make a major impact and um hmm. I think you see it's, it's all aligning beautifully here that we're talking about, right? What you've already shared this morning or today about this. Hey, um, the show here is called Leadership is T- Changing. I mean, when I mentioned that title or that statement, what does it mean for you? I, I think that it's accurately observing, I would say on two levels, uh, the fact that this climate of, of unending uncertainty uh, that, that we're in uh, this this uncertainty, which is now just the status quo, um, requires that that the ideas and notions of leadership are changing, uh, and, and that, that that they're actively changing as we speak in many ways. I also think that the other meaning is that uh, leadership is is not a constant; it's a variable. Mm-hmm. It's constantly changing. It is the, it is a process in of itself. And so, you can, if you ever find yourself as a leader saying, "I got it figured out," you have some growing to do because there's. Uh, there's, there's always, it's always motion. It's always moving in one way or another. Either it's moving backwards or it's moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Now, tell me, the unending uncertainty. I really like that phrase. I mean, that's that's awesome. How do how do leaders handle that? I mean, there's there's that ambiguity. There's so much going on. How do they handle it? Yeah. Well, there's no good way. I, I think the best way to handle it is by understanding resiliency. Uh, and and what I mean by that is is putting yourself in a posture where you're not so rigid that rigid that when the earthquake comes they're going to collapse. Um, if you have a corporate structure that cannot change, 
you have got to come to the office nine to five. You have got to be, you know, butts in seats at the keyboard or monitoring your progress, how many emails you send out. That kind of rigid culture is going to collapse in a time of uncertainty. It cannot be sustained. And and so it, 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 resilience, mean, resiliency means being flexible, but it also means posturing your, your organization so that it can handle storms. It, you know, you don't know what storms are going to come, but you can you can build your structure in a way that it can handle whatever might come. Because you trust your people, you trust your systems, you trust your processes. And I think if I had to distill that entire monologue down, I would say trust is probably the biggest factor in resilient organizations. Uh, leaders need to trust the people they put in place. And if they cannot trust those people, either it's a problem with the leader or it's a problem with the people, but that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Uh, and I know that a lot of the CEOs, uh, boards of organizations of late, they did this a few years ago too, I think around the global financial crisis, but then they've done it again recently, which is, hey, are we in the right business today? And if not, we need to adapt because mm-hmm. we face a lot of, of that uncertainty. The second thing is, okay, if, we are that, uh, if we're going to do that kind of business, do we have the right organizational structure to support that that business, right? And then the third one would be, do we have the right leadership on board to lead the change forward, lead it going, you know, taking it forward and so forth? Um, and I don't know if enough, uh, if enough organizations are asking those kind of questions. And the second thing is, I'm not sure if they, if, if they have that enough trust in the organization to be able to do that because... I saw a lot of organizations who moved very fast when the pandemic hit. And uh, and it came down to that one word that you've just mentioned, which is trust. That foundation was there and they had the trust and it would they were able to do, uh, adapt exactly what you just shared, which I think is so important. But those who didn't found it hard and they had to, and it was a lot slower for them. And some of them, they got left behind and um, not always easy. Eh? If you don't trust the people that are supposed to be running your business, then that means you're involved at too many levels of the business to trying to double check things and you're, you're your own bottleneck. If you don't trust your organization to, to withstand storms, then you probably won't and you don't have the systems in place to handle it. And, and if you don't trust your, your approach, your business approach, then you're not going to be able to have the flexibility to, to change what your model is based on what's happening in the business environment. Mm-hmm. And trust, I think, comes, it, it really is the foundation of everything. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Unending uncertainty. And along with trust, listeners, they are, you know, some really important words there for us to think about. Now, you know, Mark, you and I are living in a world where it seems to be getting a lot faster, whether it be business, uh, social, technology, data, the whole thing's just getting faster and faster. And it was almost like the pandemic said, hey, slow down. But um, it was really, really amazing to see how much faster it's getting. So, what do you reckon makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? That's an excellent question. I, I think that the, the world and society as a whole will continue to move at a very fast trajectory. Hmm. And, and that's another component of, of the uncertainty that we're dealing with. For a leader to thrive in this, they need to embrace it. You know, this is, it, 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 I, I, not, not get toxic about it. Uh, we need to scale back on on what we do day to day to take care of our to, to, to that, that harms our, our mental health, our physical health, etc. So I'm not talking about we need a generation of workaholics here, but I am saying that you need to embrace the fact that this is happening and 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 find momentum in it. You know, in, in, in L.A., you catch the wave. 
Um, and there's always another wave, so you might miss it. But but being eager to step up to the challenge is going to be critical. But you need the flexibility to be able to do that. Mm. And you need the, the resiliency, the personal resiliency to be able to move uh, at a moment's notice uh, on changing, fluctuating situations. So this is also about this is about trusting yourself to be able to handle all of the nuances, the changes, the escalations. I mean, there's there's a lot happening in the marketplace that I can't keep track of. And I won't keep track of because it, it it isn't part of my journey. And so that's another thing is trying to like isolate what is where you can be resilient and focus on those things and let the other things just fly by. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't be everything to everybody, but um, also love what you just shared there around trusting yourself. It comes down to you knowing yourself, trusting yourself and then getting on with it, I think is so good. And a leader to thrive, they need to be able to embrace it. And uh, listeners, I think that we all can do that and embrace it to move forward. Mark, you mentioned about a lot of people being workaholics and there's a lot going mm-hmm. on. And I see people burning the the candle at both ends, the working some long hours. Any thoughts on, in relation to the resilience that you're talking about that, any ideas on what people can be doing to sort of lower that amount of workaholic, being a workaholic, also, how can they can build resilience? Any thoughts around that? Uh, I think there are several things that can be done. The first is a, a genuine, thorough inspection of what it is that you're doing and where your priorities are. I think that, that family, mental health, spiritual health, physical health are just as important as getting money, if not more important. And so if your priorities are entirely on generating profit, catching revenue, finding the next client, getting the next customer uh, scale back because there's, there's other ways to do this. A good example of this, not to sidebar too much, but what's happening in e-commerce, for example, with the cost of acquiring new customers going through the route for many reasons. And so uh, part of the workaholic mindset is to get new customers at all costs. And so you're going to try to raise as much money as you can. You're going to burn the midnight oil to, to, to do the last pitch that you need to get out. And it's like, no, we need to maybe look at a different strategy. Think smarter. We we have to look at, you know, maybe maybe we need to hold on to the customers we have longer and that will supplant the cost. It's easier and cheaper to do that than it is to get new customers. I mean, just changing your mindset, zooming out and saying, wait, what is actually important here? Because if I, when I start the day, I look at not the 30 things I have to do. I have that list. But I look at what are what is the one thing that's going to drive my client's business forward today? What's the one thing I can do? That if I do nothing else, I knew I, I know I at least did that because I drove that client's business forward. It was what, what can I do for myself to drive my business forward? And then there's other verticals. What can I do to to make my family happier, better, safer? What's the thing I can do there? What can, what about my body? I mean, I, I went through, you know, uh, I do a lot of mental self-reflection, but that does no good if you're, you know, your body's out of shape, right? You have to align your body and your mind. All of these things have equal importance. So you have to look down and say, what is my priority and what's going to actually move the needle? The rest of the stuff will come. You'll find time for that. But, you know, if you did that one thing, you can maybe go and get on the paddleboard this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I so, so right. And... I, th- I think the other thing here, Matt, that you're saying is that a lot of people try to do all these different things, right? If just the mm-hmm. one, 
and do that and then pick up the next thing and then do that and then pick up the next thing. It's, it helps us a lot than rather to try and spin too many plates because if you spin too many plates, we know what happens with that analogy. We start to lose the plates for sure, yeah. Yeah, and indeed. Hey, we, we've been talking about leaders and if we just changed lens right now and we start thinking about from an employee's perspective, what are your thoughts? I mean, because you and I have both been employees of organizations in the past, but we also have our businesses, but we also know people who are employees today. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I think that um, as Gen Z continues to populate the marketplace and the, well, not the marketplace, yes, but also the the workspace, uh, we should we should take some lessons for them from them because the I think one of their qualifying attributes is that they set boundaries for themselves. They do understand that mental health is important, that that physical health is important, that they have lives outside of the workspace. And, and certainly in this country, we have gone to an extreme on expectations of employees and, and that almost in, in a way, in a really horrible way, it's okay for corporations to own people during a period of time. And if they're doing anything outside of the parameters that were built for them, uh, they are they are not succeeding in the organization. And I think that for employees, they, they want simple things. They want their lives to be enjoyable. Uh, that's number one. So we need to give them the flexibility that they need in order to have an enjoyable life. If they're happy in their life, they're going to they're gonna work just fine. They're going to be more productive. There are studies on this. Thriving is an essential KPI that businesses need to look at seriously. And the other thing is that they want power. Not power is the wrong word to put it, but they want to be empowered. They want to have the ability to make decisions on behalf of the organization. They want the uh, to have the trust to be able to handle something. And there is a definite micromanagement culture that I think is being shattered through this pandemic because we can't see what the employees are doing. So therefore they're not working. And and so the KPI needs to change from how much time do you, do you spend employee to what outcomes did you reach today? And, and I don't care if you do that at 10 o'clock, you know, on a Friday night, or if you do it on the beach in Maui or wherever you are, as long as those outcomes are being addressed in whatever way is best for you, whatever way is most effective for you, then then that's going to make a happy person, a happy employee that's thriving and enjoys their job because they feel like they have ownership in it as opposed to being told what to do and when to do it. Now they don't have any ownership. So what do they care? They're going to quietly quit. And uh, and that's how you do it. I mean, I think this is just about trust, trusting them to do it, to handle it, trusting them to fail. Here's the big thing. It's like you need to be okay with them failing and not doing it right or not doing it to your standards and not doing it to the in the manner that you would do it. You need to be okay with that. Your organization is not going to fail because somebody put a typo in an email or a newsletter went out to the wrong list or whatever thing you're micromanaging. <laughs> you, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You're not going to, they need to fail so that they can understand how to build up again. And you need to be there as a resource, not as a dictator, which is kind of what we see in American corporate culture anyway. That That's the biggest thing. So uh, the freedom to uh, to do what they need to do to balance their lives and also the 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 power and trust to do and own their own job. Yeah. And I think what leaders forget is that they are leaders today. They've got where they've got to because they were given the opportunities in the past and they made mistakes and they learned from it. And I think people forget about that. And it is really important to allow people to to do that, get on with it. And the other thing I think, Mark, based on what you just said there is, hey, they might come along with a better idea than you. Is that a bad thing? I mean, crikey, that's, that's a really good thing. And so... Why not? I mean, if they come with a better idea, well, we can do something a little bit better. Awesome. 
that's 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 a great thing to look at. That's a very good point. I'd like to add to that list of two. The third thing, which is they, they want to be heard. Mm. And uh, there's a there's an entrepreneur I work with who is who built a business from nothing to hundreds of millions of dollars in like three years. And he did it primarily because when he got his first job out of high school, nobody was listening to him because he was the kid. And he's like, to hell with you. I'm going to make my own business. You know, and that was, that was his MO. But, but his corporate culture is now predicated on the fact that you get listened to. I don't care if you're 65 or, or an 18 year old intern, you get the same weight of your voice. And I, and that, that is unfortunately unheard of in a lot of a lot of offices around this yeah country. absolutely they they do need to be heard and they do want to be heard and they're looking for it um yeah it's really important now mark i'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out here and we're going to talk about the future where do you see leadership being in five years so five years i think i, I think uh, successful leadership in five years will have pivoted to being cooperative in their approach to other business leaders and industry leaders. And it, it, it's, I think that the, the, a, a good mindset shift in, in business in general is that companies are working together for a greater good. And it's going to require that kind of cooperation to solve some of the world's problems that we have. And frankly, if we don't solve some of these world problems, we're not going to have businesses and we're not going to have. So this is self-preservation I'm talking about. We need to figure out how to navigate the energy crisis. We need to figure out how to navigate the sociopolitical crises that are happening all over the world. If we can't figure this out, we're not going to have a supply chain. We're not going to have an economy to booster. We're not going to have any of it. It's going to take because the governments can only do what they can do. It's going to take private interests to work together to solve major world problems. And I, I think that cooperative nature is going to be way more imp- important than the capitalist sort of competitive game we've been playing now for a hundred years. It's just the, the mindset needs to shift. We're in this together. We're in the same boat. Very good. Mark, it's been a real pleasure working with, uh, talking with you today. Hey, tell me, um, for our listeners, where, if they wanted to get hold of you, where, where can they get hold of you? Uh, the best way to reach me is uh, on LinkedIn. You can find me, Mark Havener, H-A-V-E-N-N-E-R. Um, also, uh, business partner and I have launched an, a joint venture. It's probably a good place to find me there, which is a consultancy for executive leaders, but also for organizations and, and the need of comms. And that site is Renovata, renovata.vision is the name of the site. And you'll find me there and all of my information. Excellent. We'll put those in the show notes. But uh, once again, thank you so much for joining me on today's session. It's been really great talking with you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, listeners, that's another episode, another interview with a wonderful leader. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 